This is the History of the Earth, where we consider all things geological. I'm your host, Dick Gibson. Today, for episode 394, we're going back about 280 million years to what is now Uruguay in South America. 280 million years ago puts us in the early part of the Permian period. Gondwana, the huge southern continent, was in the process of colliding with North America and Eurasia to form the supercontinent of Pangaea. South America, Africa, Antarctica, India, and Australia had all been attached to each other in Gondwana for several hundred million years, and the extensive glaciers that occupied parts of all those continents were probably still present in at least the highlands in southern South America and in South Africa, as well as across Antarctica. But the area that is now in Uruguay was probably in cool, temperate latitudes, something like New Zealand or Seattle today. The connection between southern South America and South Africa was a lowland, partially covered by a shallow arm of the sea or perhaps a broad, brackish lagoon at the estuary of a major river system. That river system was likely fed in part by glacial meltwater from the adjacent mountains. We know that the water there was shallow because the rocks preserved ripple marks produced by wave action. The basin must have been near the shore because delicate fossils such as insect wings and plants are among the remnants. It looks like this shallow sea or lagoon became cut off from the ocean, allowing the waters to become both more salty, even hypersaline, and anoxic as the separation restricted inflows of water, either fresh or marine, that could have continued to oxygenate the basin. In the absence of oxygen, excellent preservation of materials that fell to the basin floor began, and there were few or no scavenging animals to disrupt those bodies. The rocks of the Mangrullo Formation, as it's called today, include limestones and siltstones, but the most important for fossil preservation are probably the extremely fine-grained claystones and oil shales. These rocks contain some of the best-preserved fossil mesosaurs known anywhere. That's mesosaur, M-E-S-O, not the perhaps more well-known mosasaurs, which are large whale-like marine reptiles that lived during Cretaceous time. Here, we're in the Permian, well before the first dinosaurs. Mesosaurs were aquatic reptiles, and they are the earliest known aquatic reptiles. They evolved from land reptiles and were among the first to return to the water to adopt an aquatic or amphibious lifestyle. They were once thought to be part of a sister group to the reptiles, a separate branch of amniotes, which are animals that lay their eggs on land or bear them inside the mother, like most mammals do. In that scheme, mesosaurs and reptiles would have diverged from a common earlier ancestor. But more recent studies categorized them as reptiles that split off from the main genetic stem early in the history of that class. So they're pretty distant cousins to dinosaurs and all modern reptiles, but they are still reptiles. There's actually ongoing debate among evolutionary paleontologists as to exactly where the mesosaurs fit. The fossils in Uruguay are so well-preserved that we can identify the gut materials of the mesosaurs, so we know that they mostly ate crustaceans, aquatic invertebrates related to crabs, shrimp, and lobsters. The preservation is so exceptional that in some cases, soft body parts are preserved, including major nerves and blood vessels in the mesosaurs and the stomachs and external appendages in the crustaceans. 
The earliest known amniote embryos also come from these fossil beds. Mesosaurs had a short run in terms of their geologic history, only about 30 million years. They were extinct about 270 million years ago, well before the great extinction event at the end of the Permian 250 million years ago. But the presence of coastal-dwelling mesosaurs in both South America and Africa was a contributing idea in the early development of the theory of continental drift, since it was presumed, undoubtedly correctly, that they could not have crossed the Atlantic Ocean as it is today. There's a link on the blog, historyoftheearthcalendar.blogspot.com, to the 2012 paper by Pinheiro and others that's probably the most definitive look at these rocks and fossils. And now, the weather report for Pasco, Washington, 12,100 years ago. We have this bulletin from Glacial Weather Service Headquarters in Spokane. A flood watch is in effect for the next 700 years for all of Washington east of the Columbia River, as well as for parts of the lower Yakima and Willamette Valleys. Dangerous flooding and rapid flow conditions are likely when the ice dam in Idaho breaks and allows glacial Lake Missoula waters to flow at rates greater than the combined rivers of the world. Significant erosion is possible from these events, and never, ever attempt to cross flooded channels. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again for another episode in the History of the Earth. <music>